Alex Cobb was cruising along, and then all of a sudden, a couple of chopper infield hits with two outs, a bloop hit down the left field line, just barely fair, just barely out of the reach of a lumbering Darren Ruff, ties the game, and then boom, Pete Alonso with a dagger of a home run. And that's just how it's going right now for the San Francisco Giants, their second five-game losing streak already in the month of May. So we'll talk about what the heck is going on with the Giants next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, my goodness, yesterday was just a continuation of something that has really become a theme for the San Francisco Giants in 2022. Now, I mean, if you look at Alex Cobb and you look at his earned run average on the season and that's all you were looking at, you would be like, wow, this is one of the worst pitchers in baseball. But what is so strange about it is that the peripheral numbers, which tend to be more predictive of success than even your actual results, uh, those numbers are not just better for Alex Cobb, they are great for Alex Cobb. And so uh, what's crazy is that that it's happening team-wide, and he's not the only one it's happened to. So basically, he's striking people out. He's not walking anybody. He's not really allowing a lot of home runs at all, keeping the ball on the ground at a ridiculously good rate, and yet the results have been terrible, and that is not normally what we see. And for the Giants overall, they have a 345, their starting pitchers have allowed a 345 Average on balls in play, BABIP, you probably have heard this term. We often think of it as a luck indicator. It's not all luck. Like Part of it is defense, and I must say, that's part of what's going on here is Darren Ruff lumbering around in left field. You've got Wilmer Flores kicking balls around on the infield, but also part of it is luck because these balls just happen to be hit to those players right in a spot where it's difficult for them to get to it, right? Like Darren Ruff played a ton of left field last year, and this wasn't really an issue. In fact, he he actually was pretty good out there. But lately for Darren Ruff, it seems like every ball, every other ball, you know, some many balls that are hit to him are like just out of his reach and it ends up being damaging. And that's what we saw last night from Cobb with two outs cruising along in whatever inning it was. It was kind of early in the game. The Giants had a two nothing lead. And with two outs and one guy on, this was in the third inning, there was a little chopper hit to Brandon Crawford, and it was just hit so slowly. It was hit like 77 miles an hour. I thought he had to barehand it. I was surprised in real time when he didn't try to just barehand the ball. It was a nice high hop. He probably could have. And if he had to do it again, he probably would have because he didn't make the throw in time. The runner was safe. And then the next batter hit an almost identical ball. 77 miles an hour straight into the ground went a distance of two feet before hitting the ground both of them like negative 50 or negative 70 degree launch angle so just straight down chopper 
And Alex Cobb went to grab it, and it was just in no man's land. There was no way he could make a play at first base. And so then all of a sudden, you're in trouble. And I think it was bases loaded. And then Lindor hits like an 80-mile-an-hour pop-up that was just in a perfect spot away from Darren Ruff. And it hits just fair. Darren Ruff goes falling into the into the net and like literally goes into the crowd side of the fence in the net. Some poor guy had Darren Ruff in his lap. Uh, but it went for a game-tying double. And then next pitch, Pete Alonso hits a crushing home run, and all of a sudden it's 5-2. to two. So it's just not normal. to. It, you might see that a few times a year, that kind of random thing where the ball doesn't bounce your way and the results end up being bad even though you pitched better than that. But this has happened to the Giants a lot. And so what I wanted to say, again, is their 345 BABIP by their starting pitchers is the highest in Major League Baseball by a lot. The league average average on balls in play, at least for starting pitchers, is 285. So they are 60 points higher than the league average. And that is not normal at all. And like I said, theirs is the highest in baseball. And so as a result, their earned run average as a team is 4.27, which is not good. It's the seventh worst ERA in Major League Baseball. And if we look at just actual like runs allowed, I think it's even worse than that. Because ERA, you know, you discount uh, unearned runs. But I think the Giants have allowed quite a few unearned runs as well. So it could be even worse is what I'm saying. But 4.27 ranks 24th out of 30 teams for the overall uh, ERA as a team. But their fielding independent pitching, the FIP, is third best in baseball at 3.35. So it's it's not just like, oh, it should be better. They should be closer to average or something. It's crazy because they're one of the worst in terms of actual results and one of the very best in terms of the predicted results based on these peripheral numbers. And when I say peripheral, I mean like strikeouts, walks, home runs. And then it's not just FIP. There's something called XFIP because home run rate is not something that is stable very quickly. And so XFIP attempts to correct for that by just like applying a league average home run rate to you on your fly balls. And so, you know, you could like basically have a good FIP just because you've been kind of fortunate to not allow very many home runs. But that's not the case for the Giants. Their XFIP is one, two, sixth best in Major League Baseball at 3.57. There's something called a Sierra, which is another ERA predictor, and the Giants are at 3.52. So pretty much across the board, and StatCast, for whatever reason, I can't see the team expected ERA, but there's this expected ERA number via StatCast. And when we look at guys like Alex Cobb, the expected ERA for Cobb is 1.81. And the actual ERA is 6.25. That is just an insane gap. And so, look, I'm not here to just do, spend this whole episode talking about how they've been unlucky. Because at the end of the day, results are all that matters. It doesn't matter that all these numbers suggest better results. Like, you're just thinking, who the heck cares? The Giants are losing all these games. Their second five-game losing streak in the month of May. They're just barely over 500 at this point as we reach that point in time where I said you take your first hard look at uh, your team at about 45 games. And I think we have learned some things. And one of the things we learned is that there's a lot of weirdness going on with these results for their pitchers. And 
So yeah, I mean, results are all that matters, and this, these results are in the in the books, and there's nothing you can do about it. But what is important is that these other numbers, all the all of them, I would take any of them as a better predictor of future results than the actual ERA. So I'm saying each one of those numbers, the FIP, the XFIP, the XERA, the Sierra. I would take any of those when I was projecting forward as to what the results are going to be for the Giants, as opposed to just looking at the ERA and saying, that's what we should expect moving forward. So these numbers are not just better, they're much better. So that's honestly, I'm sticking to that. I expect this to correct, but so far it hasn't. And what we're seeing right now is ugly baseball. And they're also like, they they got their butts kicked in this game. It wasn't like that was that was it, but it did change everything. But they ended up losing 13 to 3. They lost the previous game 10 to 1. So they're just getting blown out right now. And you can't blame that on luck. So, anyway, coming up next, there's a lot more I want to talk about. How about David VR in AAA, who just continues to mash? I want to talk about the possibility of potentially they need some help, right? And maybe David VR is part of the answer. Also, there was a. Pinch hitting for Joey Bart again. There's been some Longoria platooning stuff that I want to talk about. And Kyle Harrison getting a much-deserved promotion. So we'll talk about all of that in just a minute. But first, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. I haven't looked super recently, but maybe uh, the, the peripherals, you can kind of look into that and maybe you can get some better odds on, say, Carlos Rodon winning the Cy Young Award because it's not just Alex Cobb. It's also a guy like Carlos Rodon. The ERA is 3.43, which is pretty good, but not great. The FIP is 2.12. The XERA, expected ERA, 2.60. So there's a lot of good peripheral stuff still going on, even though the odds have probably fallen because of the ERA. So head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, as promised, there's more I want to get to. I want to talk about some of the intricacies of what's going on. Yesterday, we did kind of break down all the different roster moves the Giants have had to make. If you just tuned into last night's game and you're kind of a casual fan and you're not locked in on every move, that's understandable. Baseball is a very long season, and I think most fans probably fall into that category. So just a plug for this show, every day we break down every move that they make, and the Giants are super active Uh they they weren't when guys were healthy, but with with injuries and underperformance going on, they're making moves. And so we talk about all of them on Locked on Giants every every single weekday. So subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Now podcast, recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network, free and available wherever you get, you get your podcasts. And these are where you get raw reactions from each of the Locked on hosts every single day and so last night i was out there complaining about the bad luck of alex cobb you can hear that and every locked on host reaction to that game every single night on the locked on now podcast so anyway i mean what what let's talk about 
the uh, David VR situation. So David VR, we had some questions about David VR uh, in in recent mailbags. So David VR has basically been out there in AAA for the Sacramento Rivercats. He's got 14 home runs in 38 games. And Farhan Zaidi was recently asked, I think Pav- Alex Pavlovich asked him about why has uh, fans want to know why Elliot Ramos was called up and then sent down and we haven't seen him again. And Zaidi frankly said, I mean, first, just look at the numbers for Elliot Ramos. He is struggling in the minors, which you don't really struggle in the minors and then come to the majors and have success. That's not typically how it works. But he said, we want guys to dominate in AAA before getting the call up and basically prove that this level is just too easy for them. Well, that is what David VR is doing when we look at the numbers. He's hitting 302. He's got a 427 on base thanks to a healthy 15% walk rate. And how about the 682 slugging and the difference between the slugging and the average being 380 as an isolated power with those 14 home runs. So the numbers are just bonkers. And the weighted runs created plus, which is taking into account the offensive environment that he's playing in because the Pacific Coast League is a hot offensive environment. And also it takes into account like, what are your peers doing? So these numbers by weighted runs created plus are 71 points above league average. Average is 100 and he's got a 171 weighted runs created plus down there in AAA for the Rivercats. So VR is a right-handed hitter and he is a third baseman. He also plays some first, I believe. But the steamer projection, which is up on fan graphs, has him pegged at a 338 weighted on base average, which is significantly better than league average. It has him with a 202 isolated power. These are major league projections. And so these keep going up with the performance getting longer. You know, VR is sustaining this in AAA and he's just in improving upon it like he's just continuing to be an absolute monster and the more that you do that the more a projection system i'm not saying zip this is the only one steamer uh there are other projection systems i'm positive the giants have their own and so they you know based on what you do in the minors and based on historical data like they can see guys who did whatever in the minors what did they end up doing in the majors and that's how these projection systems spit out projections but oftentimes they're quite conservative and they project poor performance uh, unless you just absolutely demolish your competition at those levels. And so he's doing that. And so I think when I see this, and I said a couple weeks ago that I wasn't sure he was going to get a shot because I didn't see how he would fit. Given all the injuries they have going on right now, and given that Evan Longoria, he did have a couple hits, I think, last night, uh, but he overall hasn't really done much and they could use some help. I think that He's dominating. He's meeting the criteria that Zaidi himself said for when they think a guy deserves a call-up. And what are they going to do? I think you either have to involve him in a trade, which some people have responded to me when I've said that, uh, by saying they don't have Belt or Longoria signed for 2023. And so do you trade a guy like VR? And I think that's a great point. And I think the answer is no. But you might want to see what you have if you're thinking he might take over at third base beginning in 2023. So... Yeah, I mean, they're not going to go into next year and say, it's your job, even though he never had any experience. So he needs that experience. The issue is, the one issue is that he's not on the 40-man roster, but he is Rule 5 eligible, so they would need to add him in, in the offseason anyway. 
or else they would lose him in the Rule 5 draft, certainly, given this performance. Uh, a team would certainly take a shot on him in the Rule 5 draft. So the issue is he's not on the 40-man, which means, assuming the 40-man is full, that they would have to make some kind of corresponding roster move in order to fit him on. And I think there are moves to make. I, the thing is, they called up Kevin Padlow. They called up Stuart Fairchild. They had to add uh, somebody. I think actually both of those guys were already on the 40-man roster. But recently they added Mauricio Yovera to the 40-man roster and they DFA'd uh, Luke Williams. But So I just think there's probably a spot somewhere where they could DFA somebody to get uh, David VR onto the 40-man roster and just give him a look and see what you have. And I mean, at first base, they threw out Kevin Padlow last night. I do want to just point out that Kevin Padlow was also dominating in AAA. And so, you know, he, let me see, his numbers, he had a 148 weighted runs created plus, and he plays those same positions. And so it's possible that uh, Padlow is just ahead of David VR on the depth chart, or I don't know. It's hard to necessarily explain because Padlow was already added several weeks ago when he played in that series against the Dodgers. But I just think it's not out of the question, given that VR has just continued to do this, that he could get an opportunity at some point and they just want to see what they have in him. I think I haven't seen any recent reports on VR's defense, but I believe that he's not known as the best defensive player. And so perhaps that's part of the issue and the reason they went with Kevin Padlow, although I'm not sure Kevin Padlow is exactly known as the best defender himself. And that's part of what's going wrong with the Giants this season, if you can call it going wrong. I mean, they're 22 and 19, but they have not played good defense as a team. And a lot of it, like I said, Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores, a lot of it is just like unfortunate ball placement where like they need to be a little bit better than they are in order to convert a, a ball into an out and they haven't been able to do it. But I'm not sure you just want to keep bringing up guys who aren't going to contribute defensively. That has been a weakness for the team, no doubt. So coming up next, I want to talk about Michael Papirski, who's up in the major leagues and pinch hit for Joey Bart in not really a big situation. And so I want to talk about that decision and also what they've done with Longoria a little bit. And also this Kyle Harrison news, which is perhaps the biggest and most significant news of the day, actually. So all of that in just a minute. But first, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery focus, and aging, all of the things. Uh, it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, which is so important to me. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Man, I love me some cold brew, but that stuff is expensive. There's no doubt. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. Thank goodness to look out for your health. 
It's uh, to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/mlbnetwork. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/mlbnetwork to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, as promised, we are going to dive into some of these decisions that they've been quietly under the radar making in recent days with regards to Joey Bart and Evan Longoria. And also, big news of the day, saving it for last, is this news about Kyle Harrison. We'll talk about that. So with Bart and Papirski, I did just think it was interesting. So first of all, as we know, Kurt Casale is on the injured list currently. And so that kind of throws a wrench into maybe possibly what is a transition perhaps from Bart to Papirski. So they called up Papirski when Casale went on the seven-day injured list with the concussion protocol symptoms. And the question is like Bart. Okay, so Bart is continuing to strike out at an alarming rate. His strikeout rate is 46.2%, which is the highest in Major League Baseball if you set the minimum to 90 plate appearances. He has 91. I bet you even if you set it to other numbers, it's still the highest in Major League Baseball. He's been able to walk some, but uh, walk at a good rate, mind you. But I don't think he's going to be able to keep that up if pitchers are seeing that he's just swinging and missing through pitches in the middle of the zone, which is what's happening right now. And as a result, I mean, Michael Papirski, we haven't seen it yet. The at-bat quality hasn't been great. He's been like overly passive sometimes on pitches in the zone and then swinging at pitches out of the zone. That's not really his game. He's going to be more selective and and like not chasing, which is what they want. It's just hard when you're making your major league debut. There's probably a lot of nerves. So I would give Papirski time, but I would expect when all is said and done, he is going to be a guy who's able to walk and avoid striking out nearly as much as Joey Bart. And then Papirski is really, really known as a good defensive catcher as well. So Bart, I just don't know. I mean, they're, I just don't know. And the, the fact that they pinch hit for Bart against a right-handed pitcher with the game was not, it wasn't like a super high leverage moment. I didn't actually write down what inning it was, but the score, it was, I think it was six to two. And there was maybe a guy on first and two outs. And with a righty on the mound, they just pinch hit for Bart with Papirski. And Bart, I mean, he had, he had a hit in the game. He was one for two with a single and a strikeout. And I don't know. I don't know if something was going on with Bart, but I did, I did just think that was interesting. And maybe because Papirski is a switch hitter, maybe the, it's a strict platoon for now. And anytime you see a righty, they want to put in Papirski. And anytime you see a lefty, they're going to use Bart. So we shall see. It'll be a righty on the mound for the Mets today in Chris Bassett. And so I would expect probably to see Papirski in the lineup. So I just wanted to point that out. And also before all these injuries, it was worth noting that Evan Longoria was seeing a little bit of platoon action. He was pinch hit for in the ninth inning when they had that comeback on Friday when they were down by two runs in the ninth with no outs, excuse me, with two outs and nobody on base and they came back and tied it. But in a Big spot, I think it was first and second two outs. They pinch hit for Evan Longoria with Jock Peterson, who ended up having a great plate appearance and drawing a walk. But the disrespect, right? They're not just leaving Longoria in out of respect for the veteran player. They took him out. And that's got to be, I don't know, insulting. And 
I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I agree with this. I've been saying for years that they need to platoon Evan Longoria. The numbers against right-handed pitching just aren't there. Watch the at-bat quality against right-handed pitching. It's just not there right now. And Peterson was clearly a better option against a righty. There's just no doubt. And they made the move. I thought they might not, but they did. And then was it the next day? I'm not sure. They were facing a righty. It was, yeah, the next day, Joe Musgrove and Longoria wasn't in the lineup and LaStella was at third base. Defensively, that is not, LaStella's arm just isn't very good. And so it's a downgrade there, but it was Rodon on the mound and he's not really a ground ball pitcher. So I think whenever Rodon is out there, they're willing to put like their lesser infield defenders out there if it means more offense because they don't expect a lot of ground balls because he's a strikeout fly ball pitcher and so I think that's why they did that but it is worth pointing out that at least when mostly everybody was healthy Longoria was starting to finally seemingly get platooned a little bit so just wanted to mention that because I've been talking about how this needs to happen for a long time and we're finally in year five of the deal starting to see it so the last thing I want to say is Kyle Harrison he has just been absolutely dominant in high a eugene this season he's made seven starts and his strikeout rate is a cool even 50 percent. he's literally struck out half of the what is it 120 something hitters that he's faced 118 hitters faced and 59 strikeouts just crazy stuff for kyle harrison and the walks were a bit of an issue last year in low a san jose the strikeout rate was great at 35.7%, but he went up a level and the strikeout rate shot up even more and the walk rate got cut down from 11.8 to 8.5, continuing to not really allow home runs either. 1.55 ERA this year in high A, 1.42 FIP, 1.45 XFIP. So all the numbers suggesting about a one and a half ERA and that's where he was. So he gets promoted to double A. So Kyle Harrison was just drafted in 2020 and he's 20 years old and he was drafted out of high school and he's about to be in double A. And so that is exciting. And Alex Pavlovich said, and I've, I mean, based on the performance, you can, you can see it for yourself that the Giants, many in that, in their organization view him as their most untouchable prospect, meaning their best prospect and fan coming into the year rated Kyle Harrison the 39th overall prospect in baseball based on its performance last year in low A. So he goes to high A and gets, he was so good in low A, but he got much better in high A. I may have said that wrong. So good in low A last year, but somehow managed to get even better in high A this year. And now he moves to double A. So when you're in double A, you're basically like right on the doorstep of the major leagues. I think they're going to want to see him there for, quite a while, but it's not inconceivable to me. Maybe I'm off base on this and I'm not the number one authority on prospects and how they move through a system, but if he just goes out and dominates in double A, it's not inconceivable that we could possibly see Kyle Harrison at some point in the major leagues in 2022. That's kind of a hot take, I think, but it's not inconceivable. I'm not saying it's likely. I think they, he would have to, he, he would have to be there a long time and pitch really well the whole time and they probably want to limit his innings so it's probably not likely and if we did see him would likely be in like a bullpen kind of role I would think but he's a starting pitcher and I'm very interested to see what he does in double a 
in Luciano, Marco Luciano is also having a very good season in high A. He could be promoted soon, potentially as well. And with these two specifically, the Giants have two potentially elite prospects in their system getting closer finally to the major leagues. And they need some young talent, honestly. I think we all know that. And thankfully, they do have some guys coming fast. And Harrison is definitely one to watch now that he is in double a so that is all the time we have for today thanks again for making locked on giants your first listen now make your second listen locked on mlb uh mlb expert paul francis sullivan brings humor passion and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league follow the number one daily league-wide podcast locked on mlb on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get podcasts once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review wherever it is you're listening. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance, and thank you so much to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Giants need a win, so hopefully we're talking about a win tomorrow with Logan Webb on the mound tonight against a good pitcher and Chris Bassett. So anyway, I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. Stay locked on Giants.